0: Good morning. Welcome to church. Welcome to Faith Discovery Church. It is so great to have you here with us this morning. We're going to read. We're going to start our service reading from Psalm 78. And I think the words will be behind me on the screen. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from the old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonders he has done. He decreed statues from Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And and they in turn will tell their children. Then they will put their trust in God and will not forget His deeds and would keep His commandments. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for how much you love us. You love us enough to set, excuse me to set us up so that we can pass your love to generation to generation. God, I pray especially that the words of this psalm this morning would be rich in our hearts and in our children's hearts. God, through uh, in this room and in our children's ministries and everything we do today, that your truth would be go forth and that it would encourage and inspire us. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're new with us this morning, we, st- we start our, each of our services by, by reciting the Apostles' Creed. And so we enjoy, invite you to stand and join us as we declare and, and proclaim what we believe to be true. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Say it with me. The maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Would you stay standing and join us as we sing this morning?
1: sir for
2: Take a moment and just praise God and thank Him that even though, you know, we come to the altar and we don't have an immediate response to our need, we know that He is working on our behalf. We know that He sees every tear and He hears every whisper, He hears every groan, even if we don't have words behind it. So we just lift up, we lift up Your name, Lord God. We lift you high, and we exalt you, and we honor you today. You are a good Father. You keep us hidden in the shadow of your wings. When this world seems volatile and unknowing, we have a shelter in you. You promise to never leave us or forsake us, for who is like our God that is always there, in our darkest moments your redeeming power promise us promises us a life of hope and freedom and your love knows no bounds you are our inheritance you are our purpose and Lord we ask that you would meet us where we are at everyone in this room everybody that we are lifting up in prayer lord god i pray that the masks that we hide under would fall away and that we would not be afraid and we would not run from you i pray that we would invite you into every area of our lives and that you would speak to us convict us where we need to turn from sin or change our ways soften our hearts god i pray for the lonely here today for those who just desire love and acceptance but have met rejection and disdain. Show yourself as the one who desires us more than anyone and that we would experience your love. For God, you want us to experience all that you are, all that you want to pour out. I pray for those here today that need to experience your grace, pour that out abundantly. For those that need to experience your provision, supply more than they could imagine. And for those that need to trust you when they can't see, I pray that your peace would abound. And lastly, I pray over these boxes that we prepared today. Lord, I do pray that you would bless the hands that prepare them. That as we work and give, that we would just receive blessing. But Lord, I pray that you would just bless the children that receive them. That there would be God sightings all over the world. That a child that needs a certain box, Lord, and um, that they would open, that would just meet a need that they would have, and that they would come to know you through these. Lord, I pray that you would bless Operation Christmas Child and all the work that goes into that, and that your word would go all over the world, just through through what we've done today through what they're doing throughout um, churches everywhere lord i pray for this afternoon as we fellowship and work and and prepare this that you would be in our midst we love you god amen well good morning take a moment and meet somebody that you have not ever met before
3: Well, good morning. It's nice to see you all here greeting one another and welcome to those of you who are joining online. We're glad that you're with us as well. And I know I say this every week, but for the people who are new this week, this is the first time they're hearing it. (laughs) So if you are new this week or new in the first uh, or new in the last couple of weeks, um, we would love if you would fill out a new hair card. If you would go over to the Information Center um, after a service, there's a gift for you. Um, there's some things happening after a service today, so it might be a little bit more chaotic than usual, but hopefully you've already been greeted, and we're very glad that you're joining us this morning. All through the month of November, um, there is a giant Campbell soup can out in the um, cafe, and we are collecting canned goods for our FDC food pantry, um, which serves 30 to 40 families weekly um, in the surrounding area. So, thank you for those of you who have already brought cans, and it will be there all month, so you can continue to do that. We'll eventually be bringing some stuff up to the food pantry, so please feel free to pile it on um, throughout the month. And thank you for those of you again who have done that already. Um, so today, Operation Christmas Child, as Joy prayed for, here's the good news. If you are here, you have everything you need to be across the parking lot um, after church. So we are glad that you're here. Please, please, please join us for our packing party. You don't have to bring anything with you. I will tell you that after service, we'll all just be streaming up there. There will be hot chocolate ready for you to make um, however whatever flavors you'd like to add to it. That's ready for you. There's some chocolate chip cookies. There's a photo booths so you can take some fun photos. Um, and then once most of us have gathered there, um, we're going to start packing boxes together. So please, please, please join us after service. And then we can add to the numbers. We're hope we're hopefully t- going to pack 150 boxes um, after service that we are going to add to all of these who, um, that you've brought already. So thank you for your generosity. And please join us after service. A couple things happening this week, um, because Thanksgiving is on the week that Um, Sister Strong and Men's Group usually meets. We're meeting a little bit early, so this Friday night is Sister Strong at seven o'clock in the cafe. Again, you don't need to bring anything; just yourself. You don't have to have read anything beforehand, and we won't. Juanita won't even send you home with homework. Um, So please join us, and we would love to see you at seven o'clock on Friday night. And Men's Group will be meeting for their fire pit. Um, Last time it got almost rained out, so it didn't happen. So um, fire up at the fellowship hall in the parking lot um, at 6 o'clock on Saturday. um, And that will be a time of fellowship. And, guys, you are invited to join them in there on Saturday night. All right. Um, And as I mentioned, it is Thanksgiving almost. So on the evening before Thanksgiving, we have our traditional Thanksgiving service um, here at 7 o'clock. It's a time of testimony. It's a time to gather and remember all of the reasons – because we have many that we are thankful. So please invite your family. Um, take a little break from preparing. It won't be a long service, but we invite you to be here um, Christmas, not Christmas, well, Christmas Eve, but Thanksgiving Eve um, at 7 o'clock. Um, and finally, as we thank you for our your giving, um, one of the things that we were using our Christmas offering for last Christmas uh, was building upgrades and different projects, and one of the things that got done behind the scenes was that we got some new Wi-Fi upgrades. We have new access points and a stronger service that allows the office computers to run more efficiently, and it meets all the needs of the building, so that's maybe something you haven't noticed because... Would you see it? It's behind the scenes. It's in the ceiling. um, But we are very grateful um, for Mark who headed that up. Um, There's also, if you have young kids in the nursery, there's a live stream. So if you need to bring your kids into the nursery area, there is a TV there that live streams the service, which is a, a relatively new upgrade as well. So thank you for the ways that you give. Thank you for giving so faithfully. And as again, as we pray that not only are we our needs met here, but we can meet needs in our community and around the world. Um, and we're doing all of those things prayerfully today. So thank you for your faithfulness. Let's stand together as we continue to worship.
0: As a team, it is our prayer that
1: not only do we lead worship here, but you would take something with you. Something that sustains you throughout the week. And this this song, in my, in my opinion, is just perfect for that. I trust in God, my Savior. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. If, if you carry that with
0: you,
3: and that sustains you through the week, that would be an answer to our prayer.
0: sing those words, but really struggles to right now believe those words, that I sought to learn that he heard and he answered. If that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you. You don't have to talk louder. You don't have to say it again, but God hears you and he answers. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you that you do hear us. And for the person in the room this morning who is discouraged, felt like they just have prayed and cried out and asked and not received an answer. I just pray that your presence would be manifested in a way that's tangible. There'd be an understanding and a revelation of your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, thank you, worship team. I uh, appreciate your work each week and this morning. Give it up for them. They do a great job and they work hard. While they're coming down, I want to release the kids to go to Children's Church because that's really where they want to be anyway. But uh, we're glad that you're here. If we haven't met, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church, and it is an honor that you've chosen to spend a little bit of your Sunday morning with us. And if you're joining us online, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. You are part of our family, and so we want you to, to know that you're loved and you're appreciated I encourage you in the chat features that are on the different platforms that you're watching this morning to uh, talk church is better when we're together. Church is better when you're here. So thank you for making church better this morning because you've been here to join us. Um, I want to take a moment today to thank our veterans. Um, we, uh, yeah, give it up for our veterans. In fact, if you're a veteran, please stand. There are a couple of you around, I know it. So, um, thank you. I was thinking this morning of of you all when and the choice that you made. Now, some of you were in the military long enough that you may have been drafted, but you all had that first day where you went. You didn't know what you were going to experience on the other side, and so I just want to say thank you. We honor you. We appreciate We thank you um, for your service to our country. Um, and then I'm really excited today because it's Christmas Outreach Day. Now, some of you are like, it's not Thanksgiving yet, it can't be Christmas yet. We're going to pause, we're going to call time out for about 45 minutes on the rules of no Christmas for Thanksgiving uh, after church today when we go up to the other building and we have our packing party. Because uh, because of the rules of Operation Christmas Child, we have to hand in all the stuff before Thanksgiving, and so, for those of you who have rules—I'm not calling you out, Bob Miller—who uh, have rules about no Christmas trees and those kinds of things, we're we're just here to uh, to we're celebrating children today. And so, um, but there's been some confusion, and Laura cleared some of this up before. But I was talking to Jessica this week, and I said, Jessica, uh, tell us what. Uh, your perspective when we talk about packing party, And she said, the first time I, I heard you talk about it, I thought I had to bring the box and all the stuff, and we were just going to pack all the stuff that we had supplied. We were going to do it together. And she was like, quite frankly, that seemed like a w- weird thing to do. I could just pack it in my kitchen. And so let me clear it up, because I may not have communicated Correctly. As Laura said, you are all you need to participate. We have boxes. We have labels. We have all the stuff that's gonna go in the, in the things. All we need is your help to put the boxes together and pack them. And then, uh, and then next Sunday we'll have uh, probably, we usually average about 300, 350 boxes that we will have the kids come forward and pray over, and it'll be a fun experience next week. But this is about having fun together today. It blesses our church because we get to hang out together because we're better when we're together, and it blesses children all over the world. And so invite you to participate. It's just a walk across the parking lot. There'll be hot chocolate. And for those of you who are worried about the effects of hot chocolate, if you eat or drink something at church, it doesn't count against your diet. So it's completely fine, just in case you were wondering. Um, uh, yeah, so, but also if you do have boxes of your own that you are packing, because a lot of you do that, as you can see, uh, we, we'd we encourage you to bring them by next Sunday, because next Sunday afternoon we'll be delivering all those out. So you have one more week to get those in. Um, I realized I never played the bumper. We'll just skip it. We'll just go through it. We've been talking about suffering for quite a while. And today is the last day we talk about suffering. And uh, I, David and I were joking this morning that today suffering ends, or at least the series on suffering ends. But uh, I have a friend who's been going through a very difficult time. For the past several weeks and months, he's been dealing with severe insomnia, uh, and at the t- same time going through some major existential questions. Uh, some people when they, they've talked to him or, or they've analyzed him or they heard what he's going through have called it a midlife crisis. I'm not exactly sure that's what he's experiencing, but he's going through a really tough time and the more he doesn't sleep, the more he thinks about the fact that he really needs to sleep and the more he thinks about the re- fact that he really needs to sleep, the more difficult it gets to sleep. And it's just this cycle that keeps repeating. It keeps repeating, repeating, repeating. It's been incredibly difficult season for him. We've spent a lot of time on the phone. He lives lives way across the country. We've spent a lot of time on the phone talking and praying and crying and basically trying to get through this difficult time. And as we go through this, and uh, he's a very close friend of mine, he apologizes to me regularly uh, because he thinks that this experience has been a burden on me. And that then increases the pressure on him and the cascade Continues, But uh, see, he's used to he's in ministry, too. He's used to being the person that people go to. Uh, and so having to be the uh, having to go to somebody has been really tough on him. Um, but he's been an inspiration to me these last several months. Uh, this period of suffering uh, for him has brought him low. It's forced him to be incredibly vulnerable and honest. It's forced him to do some important things that we don't like to do as people. Start to work on self-care. We like to take care of everybody else. Especially those of us in ministry. We're really bad at taking care of ourselves. We like to take care of you better. Because it makes feel, us feel better about ourselves. And so as we've been talking about suffering and, and we've been talking about some of the traps that suffering ensnares us with, one of the, the next trap, uh, trap I want to uh, present to you is the one that almost every sufferer deals with at one point or another, and that's denial. It's very tempting to deal with the pain of the thing you're suffering by working to minimize its power or its size or its potential effect on you it's tempting to work to convince ourselves that the the bad perhaps isn't just so bad after all it's tempting to try to cobble together a temporary piece of heart <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> by denying the reality that we're facing it's tempting to rise to the throne of a god to create A whole new world of our own making over which we are sovereign and that looks and works in ways different than our real world is working and looking. And so we try to pretend that it's not real. Now, maybe that sounds harsh, but it's something we all need to face. When it comes to suffering, no one swindles ourselves more than, I mean, no one swindles us, uh, swindles us more than we swindle ourselves. It's so tempting to tell ourselves subtle lies in order to give ourselves some peace of heart. It's tempting to work at, at, at thinking that things will be okay that just aren't okay. It's tempting to convince ourselves that we can handle things that are bigger and are beyond our control. to to put a happy face on when we're not very happy, and to give fake, false, platitudinous, faith-sounding answers to questions when inside the struggle is so deep that we're doubting even God's love and presence in our lives. In suffering, denial is more a temptation than any of us think. And and it has a response that never leads us anywhere good. I think it's important for us, uh, for every sufferer, to reflect how utterly, unashamedly, and boldly honest the Bible is. From Genesis 3 on, biblical writers don't present us with a sanitized version of life. Just a couple of highlights from the shocking sibling homicide of Genesis 4 to the adultery and murder that David commits, the unjust execution of Jesus, the final defeat of the enemy. The Bible is marked with stories of deceit, family betrayal, political corruption, disease, famine, rape, murder, unspeakable spiritual darkness. It's important to understand and recognize that if the if the the Bible can be honest honest about the true conditions we all face and are required to deal with, that maybe God's offering us a gracious welcome. To be honest about the de- things that we're dealing with. Faith that the Bible presents never never requires you to do rec- to deny. Harsh realities. It never asks you to minimize your suffering. Biblical faith never makes you put a happy face on and act as if things are okay when they're not okay. It never asks you to defend God's reputation by by acting as if things are better than they actually are. God's honesty about life in this broken world is a welcome to each of us To be just as honest. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In Jesus, you have an advocate. Crying out to God in your moment of need is like talking to a dear friend whom you are comfortable talking to because you know they know exactly what you're going through. Jesus is not a student of your suffering, or not just a student of your suffering. He is a first-hand participant in suffering. You have an advocate who can relate to your situation. God understands the broken space that the sufferer inhabits. In the dark moments, there's one thing on which you can be eternally confident. And one on which you can build your, mom- your motivation and your hope. It's the understanding and the sympathetic love of Jesus. There's nothing you could go through that he hasn't experienced. Sometimes we joy. Join- prayed just a few minutes ago about the masks that we put on. We're, sometimes some of the places we put the most intricate masks on ourselves is at church. And in our church community, it's really hard to walk in here and tell people life's just not that great right now. The friend I was mentioning earlier, he he went to a minister convention last week, and he's really trying to be honest about what he's going through. And he talked to me this week about how difficult it was to be honest with the people he sees once or twice a year about what he's dealing with. Because it's way easier to just say everything's fine. But the more we talk about the fact that we say everything's fine, the more we become convinced that we're supposed to believe that everything's fine. It's okay to admit not everything's fine. And you don't have to have the answers to all of the problems. Sometimes life stinks. It just does. And it's important that we come to a place where we can admit that because it's in that honesty, in that vulnerability, in that openness, in that rawness that God's love can really invade. The last trap I'll I'll present to you today is the discouragement, discouragement trap. In one way or another, at one time or another, discouragement is, an ex- is the experience of every sufferer. One of the burdens that, it's one of the burdens that's added to the burden of whatever's already being suffered. Beneath the suffering of physical sickness or loss or betrayal or whatever dark thing has entered the door is something way more powerful and dangerous. Let me say that again. Behind the thing that you're suffering is something way more powerful than the actual thing you're suffering from. There is a spiritual war that rages in the heart of every person, especially, and it's raging in the heart of every sufferer. This war is a battle for the control of your heart. And whatever functionally rules your heart will shape the way you see life in your desires. It will control your words and your behavior. It's natural when we're suffering to have moments of discouragement. And it's not wrong to be discouraged. But we must be intentional and careful when we're in those moments that we do not allow our hearts to be given over to it. It's dangerous and damaging when discouragement rules our hearts. The question is not whether you'll have moments of discouragement. I got good news for you. You will. That's a joke. Feel free to laugh. The good news is you're going to be discouraged. Actually, that's truth. We're going to have moments of discouragement in our lives. The question is what you do in your moment of discouragement. Is discouragement progressively taking control of the way you see yourself? Of the way you see God? Of the way you see others? Of the way you see your circumstances? Of your potential? Of your future? Of the way you see God's promises? The list could go on and on. If you're not careful... I.e., if we're not intentional about dealing with discouragement, we can become deeply ensnared in its trap. And I don't want to sound too much like Yoda this morning. But discouragement opens the door to complaint. And complaint opens the heart to accusations against God. You see, when we're discouraged, if we're not careful, it leads us down a road. And that road ends in bitterness. And there's only one person who's hurt by your bitterness, you. The person who hurt you, they're not hurt by your bitterness. It does nothing to them, but it poisons your heart. Wow, I'm getting harsh, didn't mean to. Has suffering led you to a place where your trust is weakened and your obedience in God has waned because you're just not sure that you can trust that path? Are there things that you once did with joy and confidence that you no longer do? Are you you no longer motivated by God and his promises? Have you stopped being emboldened by God's presence or maybe even stopped really trying to experience it? If, those, if you start to see yourself in those questions, if you're no longer encouraged by God's grace, there is a possibility that discouragement is starting to poison your heart. And so for you, I have two quick thoughts. First, God is not shocked, surprised, or threatened by your discouragement. God's not surprised you're going through a hard time. He's not surprised by how you're dealing with it. And he's not scared that you're going to lose faith in him or that he's going to lose control of the situation. God knows every single struggle of discouragement in your heart. He knows your cries before you cry. And he has promised to never give up the battle for your heart until the battle is finally won. That means that God fights for you and your heart even when you've quit fighting for yourself. God is with you. God is for you. Second, discouragement and its dangerous accomplice complaint are best defeated by praise. We talked about this last week in one of the other traps too. If we can be intentional about starting to focus on the blessings in our life, we're more apt to be able to deal with the discouragement. Not because it makes the discouragement go away, but it reminds us of God's presence in the middle of the discouragement. His presence with us. We want to believe... That if God loved us, he would make us not deal with suffering. We want to believe that. When kids are in kids' church, so there's not many in the room. When we were kids, and our parents told us no to things, we thought that meant they didn't love us because we've come to believe quite naturally that love equals I get what I want. That's not a proper equation. And so, in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of what we're going through, the cry to remember that God is with us Not that he just takes away from us, but that he's with us in the struggle, is incredibly important. We cannot let discouragement defeat our hearts. We should and can praise God. And we can remember that God is sovereign. And it's his sovereignty that actually can be a comfort to us. You know the control that you love? The control that you've been desiring? The control in your life that is often so hard to grasp, but is the only thing that you think can give you peace of mind. You know that control? God has it. We need to stop trying to grasp the control and start gra- grasping the God who has the control. When we come to a place where we realize that God is in control instead of us, it's one of suffering's greatest blessings. God is, is in sovereign control over all things. How is that possible? I don't know. There is a mystery about God. God will do things that will remain a mystery. You'll never fully understand or comprehend all that God's doing. You'll you'll never understand his makeup, his power, his construction. We can can have a slim grasp of his love for us. But there are some things that remain a mystery. And and in his sovereignty, God brings things into our lives... That will confuse us. At times, we will struggle to reconcile what God has done with what God has said. That takes faith. Our faith requires faith. Jason, you can't define a word by using it as its own definition. You're right. Your faith in God requires you to have faith in God. It requires you to believe in God and His sovereignty, His love, His control, His purpose, all of His goodness in the moments that are completely out of control. It's really not faith to believe God is good when life is good. It's faith that says God is good when my life isn't. There are times when we're tempted to believe that we're not able to trust until we're able to understand that our peace and heart is somehow dependent on all the mysteries being solved. Here's the problem with that. God's secret, God's secret will is called his secret will because guess where I'm going here it's a secret in scripture god defines his character scripture unfolds god's grand redemptive plan but it does, but god doesn't explain himself when it comes to the details of how and why he rules the world the way he does. Rest and peace of heart excuse me, will never be found in trying to understand everything God has ordained for this world and for us, because there will always be some lack of understanding. But if we will allow ourselves to surrender... To him, we relinquish that need to be the one in control. And we can allow ourselves to surrender to him, not because we'll have every mystery explained, but because he has designed his character. And we can trust, he has defined his character and we can trust that his ways are better. We sang it this morning. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I trust in God. You see, God's rule is eternal. It is global. It is specific. It's an expression of his character, and it's beneficial to us. We are not eternal. We don't see the whole picture. We're not global. And, and while we're specific, I would say to us we're individualistic more than we're specific. But because we're individualistic doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. God knows every single detail of the heart of every one of us. He knows you intimately. Intimately. And when we come to a place where we surrender to God's sovereignty, to his control over ours, we can then find comfort in God's purpose. And as I come to the conclusion of this series, I, I come to one of the most important and difficult questions one can ask when suffering. It's the question that I asked in the title of the series. Why? Why? Why does God allow suffering? Well, does God allow suffering? Or does, maybe, why? Does God cause suffering? That's a great question. If if the answer is yes, then why? The better question to ask is why does God allow it? God allows it for a number of reasons. We suffer because we live in a fallen world. Suffering has been part of our world since we chose our ways over God's ways. But that answer leads to the next question. Why does God allow suffering? This morning I suggest to you that that's the wrong question to ask, or at least I believe it's the wrong question to focus on. God's sovereignty is beyond the scope of our thought. And we've already seen how it actually can be a comfort to us. So in a, in a heart of complete with a heart of complete surrender, can we ask God, instead of why do you allow suffering? can we ask God to use our suffering to produce good? In us and in the world? In James chapter one, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. By the way, that's a crazy statement. Here's what I want for you guys. Be happy when it's tough. Celebrate. That's a different kind of party. James says, consider a pure joy when you face tri- trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James is saying, and he's talking to early Christians, early Christians He's saying that the bad things that you endure are a tool of a very good thing that God is doing in, and in you and for you. James is writing to first century Christians who've been scattered because of Jewish persecution. There was unrest in the Middle East. There's still unrest in the Middle East. James doesn't say, God is good and he's going to torture you. He says, God's going to use the bad things that you deal with to reflect his goodness in your world. James is telling us that we are being delivered from ourselves. Because when we face trials, our natural reaction is not to to experience joy. Let me give you a modern, not the message, but a modern translation that might help you. The way to deal with your encouragement is to praise. That's what James is saying. And when you do that God uses our suffering to produce good in a number of ways in us and through us. Suffering exposes the inadequacy of tying our hope to the temporary treasures of the created world and positions us positions our heart to instead of finding hope in the treasures of a created world, to find hope in the creator who created that world. Suffering prepares us for how God wants to use us. For those of us who come to Christ, and if you're here this morning and you have never put your faith in Christ, I encourage you to do that. It's very simple. It's simply by saying, God, Jesus, would you be my Lord? When you do that, when you align yourself to Christ, you position yourself to receive his love. And those of us who've received his love have been called To be part of what God is doing in the lives of those around us and around the world. God uses suffering to make us both willing and ready to be part of what He's doing. You are part of something so much bigger than than yourself. We live in a world that can be so easy to become singularly focused, individually focused. All too often we want the Disney World picture of what God can do in our lives. But the truth is, the better way is found when we understand that God is using us to be part of his story. Rather than us using him to accomplish our story society has told us that we are the star of the story you're the star of your life you're the most important person when you're on the plane and the mask falls put the mask on the star and then deal with other people we're part of a bigger story it's a story of absolute redemption You are part of the story that God is telling about the redemption of the world back, restored to the way He created it. But that means you might have to suffer. In the most significant action of the world's creation's redemption, Jesus suffered. Because of that, Philippians tells us, he's been given the name above all names. Because he was willing to suffer, he's been exalted. And because he loves us, he allows us to share in his sufferings. It's a gift that we get to share in the sufferings of God. Because when we share in the sufferings of God, you know what else we get to share in? His glory. We've been sold a bill of goods that says suffering is bad. And if we're suffering, we're not in God's will. It's false. We were told, Jesus said, you're going to suffer. But I'll be with you. When we suffer and we respond in pure joy... We shine a light in a world into a world that the world does not understand. How are you experiencing joy when that's what you're experiencing? I know Jesus loves me and I know he's present with me. And it really hurts to go through what I'm going through right now. But I have hope outside of this circumstance. And when you can present hope outside of your circumstance, it confuses the heck out of people. And there's only one thing that they can point to, Jesus. Suffering reminds us of our promised future. If you're going through it today, if you're suffering You have hope. Today is not forever. What you're, The place you're in, the discomfort you feel, the suffering you're experiencing, it's not the final story. Your suffering isn't purposeless. It's a tool picked up by a savior of wisdom, of love and grace to produce wonderful things in you and through you. Things you could never produce on your own. In our pain, Jesus proves that he is near and that he's working to take what's discouragingly painful and intolerably hard and produce out of it abundance of blessings of good things. He works so that your faith and hope will blossom, your character and will change and mature, and your willingness to be a servant to others will increase. And ultimately, you'll receive his promise. An eternity free from suffering. That sounds good. But that's not the ultimate gift. It's an eternity, eternal life. That's not the ultimate gift. It's an eternity in God's presence. Someone asked me this week, when you get to heaven, you think you'll be able to answer all of the questions that you'll want answers to, or will you just be so enthralled with God's presence that you won't remember them? I was like, I think probably we'll be in so enthralled in his presence, but at some point I'm going to find out what happened. The blessing of Jesus, the gift of Jesus, in spite of whatever we're facing on this existence, is on the other side of life, we will live with him forever. David and I joked this morning, when we got here, the suffering series ends today, and I said, suffering ends today. The practical reality is, for most of us, suffering doesn't end today. But we can confidently say that someday, for those of us who've placed our faith in Jesus, suffering will be no more. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you for the hope that you provide. God, for those... In the room this morning or joining us online who are just really having a hard time seeing the hope. I pray that there would be an expression of your love. That they would see your presence and they would know you are with them. And I thank you that in the fullness of your grace, you've chosen to share your glory with us. The end of each service, we share communion together, and so I'm going to invite the elders forward to to um, to serve that. And um, Mark, would you be willing to come serve? I should have noticed that Gary wasn't here this morning. I asked you ahead of time, but thank you. We invite you to stand and come to the aisle that's clo- the center aisle closest to you, and Come forward, receive the elements, take them from the person, and then bring them back to your your seat. We will partake communion together. If you're not able to walk forward, we'll get someone to to bring them to you. And if you are just not comfortable, that's okay. We're glad you're here. I
1: trust in God, I trust in God, my sin. This is my song, praising my risen King and Savior all the day long. I trust in God, my Savior.
0: teaches us that on the night he was betrayed Jesus had dinner with his disciples and at one of the servings which was customary and traditional he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he told them those told disciples that this bread was his body which had been broken for them and that when they came back to this traditional meal They should remember him. That he was going to go do something that defied their logic. He was going to go suffer. They thought he was going to be a king. And he said, my vision is way bigger than you could ever dream. God's vision for your life is way bigger than you could ever dream. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice that you allowed yourself to go through. But I thank you that the story didn't end in the grave. God, I pray that your victory over death, that we get to share in, that we would take confidence in that. Be honored by our life. And I pray that we would be inspired by what you've offered us. Would you take the bread? It says in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. When he said that, he was talking about the covenant was really the relationship between God and man. God and Israel. And in this moment, Jesus says, now I'm the way to have relationship with the Father. Jesus is the way to have relationship with the Father. We can add a lot of crazy rules to things. But Jesus came so that we could be unencumbered between us and God. You can have an unencumbered relationship with God because of the work of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that you have given us access to an unencumbered relationship with the Father. You've given us your spirit. Help us to boldly walk in your world. In this world, because of your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you ch- take the drink with me? Nathan, would you just leave that us in that song one more time? You can put the words up. We're going to end here in just a second, but I'd I just like to sing this together.
1: I trust in God. My Savior, the one who will never fail, He will never fail, I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail, He will never fail.
0: God, I pray that we would put our trust in you. That it wouldn't be a song we sing on Sundays, but it would be a thing we learn to do. And I pray that we would see, that you would hear us, and we would see your work in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Before we go, before I offer today's benediction, I want to give some direction for Packing up there. So right as we finish, we, you, you are invited to walk across the parking lot. When you get there, you'll walk into a section, and there will be a um, hot chocolate bar. There will be photo booth. There will be a table with boxes that can be put together, and then there will be like a, port, like a temporary wall sp- uh, set up encourage you to get some hot chocolate, get some pictures, and put together boxes. When there's a bunch of us up there, uh, when there's enough of us up there, um, my sister-in-law, Grace, is here today. She works for Operation Christmas Child. She's going to share a brief uh, story of the impact of the boxes. When she does that, we're going to open the doors. And we'll pack them together. We'll do that. Um, and it's Joy's birthday. So she's over there, so she doesn't know this. So we'll sing happy birthday and Joy when we get there too. But uh, let me pray. Let me offer today's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Jesus, I pray that the peace that passes understanding would flood the hearts and lives of those of us who are going through really tough times. May we know and experience your love. And for those of us who aren't, I pray that we would be a source of encouragement to those who are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Normally I say I'll see you next week, but today I'm going to say I'll see you in a minute. Up there. Lord
1: bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you be gracious to you. Lord,